Hello, and thank you for tuning in to New Glasgow Christian Church. My name is Stephen Weatherby, and I'm the pastor here at NGCC, a small rural church with a big heart located in central Prince Edward Island, Canada. We're so glad that you could join us. Well, first of all, uh, for those who have been uh, with us through this journey through Core 52, I want to give you a congratulations. I know we had a week off, but you have completed the first mini-series of Core 52, which was called Beginnings. So that is great. That's our first big milestone uh, through this next uh, 52 weeks. Beginnings was all about our origins as humanity. It was the foundation on which we will continue to build creation, identity, the fall, and covenant. And so now today, we are beginning our next Core 52 series, which is called Set Apart. Now, we are back on track for our devotionals. Uh, if you read ahead last week, uh, good news, you get a week off. Uh, if you read the holiness chapter last week, you were all set for the week, uh, and you can just kick back and relax. We've been dealing with some pretty profound topics this last few weeks. Uh, deep and profound topics. And yet very simple. They're important topics. They're foundational to our faith and who we are as the church. And now that we're a few weeks in, you're going to start to notice that these core topics, these core ideas are going to start to intermingle with each other more and more and build on each other. Today's core is no different. Our core this morning is holiness. Our verse this week is Leviticus 11.45, which says, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall be therefore holy, for I am holy. Now, I've been trying to start with some of these with definitions, because uh, definitions are important. It's important for us to understand these words. Easton's Bible Dictionary defines holiness this way, and I'm sorry, it is going to be a bit of a mouthful. Uh, we'll work through it. So holiness in the highest sense belongs to God and to Christians as consecrated to God's service and insofar as they are conformed in all things to the will of God. Personal holiness is a work of gradual development. It is carried on under many hindrances, hence the frequent admonitions to watchfulness, prayer, and perseverance. So hopefully that's uh, nice and clear as mud and uh, <laughs> um, we should be all set. Um, you know, that was a lot for me to read, so uh, we're going to take the rest of this service to unpack what that means. First of all, when we're talking about holiness, we have to address misconceptions. Uh, because somewhere along the way, we have gotten the idea that holiness has a lot more to do with what you do and don't do as a Christian. When you first became a Christian, you probably had the understanding that there's some things Christians are supposed to do, and there's things Christians are not supposed to do. And how good we are at doing the things we're supposed to, and the things we're not supposed to not doing those, defines how holy we are as a person. Now some of these things that we make in this list come from the Bible. Many others have very little to do with the Bible at all. And we're just cultural norms that we kind of stole and, and brought underneath the umbrella of Christianity in the name of holiness. For example, um, smoking... Drinking, playing card games, um, those kinds of things, uh, dancing, um, th those kinds of things are um, the things that we say, don't do these, and then do these things instead. 
These were cultural norms that we brought under the umbrella and said, do these things, don't do those, and then you'll be a holy, good Christian. But biblical holiness is a much more different and complex idea than simply what we do and don't do as people. It's a much more complex idea. And so because of that, it's hard to define and understand. For example, God's holiness and our command to be holy in this core verse the same week are not exactly the same thing, even though they both come from the same God. It says, be holy because I am holy. But it's not necessarily the same thing in practice. God is holy because he is unlike anything else in the universe and because he is perfect. Objects that were used in Old Testament temple worship were called holy because they were set apart from common everyday objects solely for use in the worship of God. So what is holiness? What is biblical holiness? When we look at holiness in the Bible, there's two things we learn very quickly. First of all, holiness is one of the words used often and frequently to describe God. And second, holiness is expected as a kind of difference in his people. He expects it from those who call themselves people of God. And that is where our core verse comes from this week. When the law was given to the people, God spoke to Moses and said, in Leviticus 19, verse 2, Give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now there's a few different words used to describe holiness, or for holiness in the Bible, uh, in Greek and Hebrew, but they all have the same two ideas behind them. So the two ideas are this, purity and separation. The chapter in this book this week talks about toothbrushes as an example of these traits. And it was the perfect illustration. I even brought one. So toothbrushes are really useful. They can be used for all sorts of things, right? We can use them to clean our house. We can use them to scrub the toilet or our tubs. Uh, I personally use this one to clean our cars. So in the spring, all those little nooks you can't get into. That's why it's all dirty and black at the end. The bristles are really great for getting into little crevices that you might not be able to get into with anything else. You get all that dirt and gunk out that builds up over time. You know, when you spill your coffee and it gets all dried out and you just need to... So a toothbrush can be used for all sorts of things. Unless you want to brush your teeth with it. I can tell you one thing, I would never ever put this toothbrush anywhere near my mouth. It would be disgusting and it would defile me because it has been used for all sorts of gross things. The toothbrush that I do brush my teeth with, and I'm gonna assume it's the same for all of you here today, is only to be used for brushing my teeth. It has been set apart as clean and pure and for that one sole purpose. I would never ever use a toothbrush that had not been set apart for brushing my teeth. Actually, this toothbrush, uh, when we moved into the house we're in, uh, this toothbrush was in a box, sitting on a shelf. It was not ours, it was just there when we moved in. Now, it looked like it was okay, like it, it was in a box, didn't look like it was open, but we had no idea, like, we, did, we had no interest whatsoever in using this and putting it in our mouth, because we did not know its history. So now it uses, it's used to clean our car. And if something happened to the toothbrush I do brush my teeth with, like say, fell into the toilet, or into the garbage can, 
I would no longer use it to brush my teeth because it had been defiled. It was no longer set apart as pure. So that is those two concepts, purity and separation. Now getting back to the Bible, like I said, those two traits, uh, the word holy is used more than any other adjective to describe God, his nature and character in the Bible. It's his defining characteristic. But you need to understand the complexity of holiness because God's holiness is in his nature. He is holy by nature. It doesn't mean that he's physically separated himself from the world in our lives. It's not like God's way off in the distance and he doesn't want to be anywhere near us because he's set apart from all of creation physically. He doesn't seal himself away from us. In fact, we all know that the entire faith that we hold to revolves around a holy God who has entered our world as one of us so that we can have a relationship with him. So when we are talking about the holiness of God, the definition takes on a lot richer meaning. It's a term used in the Bible to describe his goodness and his power. And so his holiness is completely unique and utterly powerful. It it radiates from him like energy. His holiness is so overwhelming, it can actually be dangerous for us to approach him. You see this in Exodus 10 verse 19 when God descends on the mountain to give the people the Ten Commandments. In 18 and 19 it says, When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak directly to us, or we will die. That is an example of God's holiness in the presence of people on earth in God the Father's pure form. It is different than the holiness we are commanded to be. We are not called to be all-knowing or all-powerful as God is, but we are called to be holy. So listen to these words from 1 Peter 1, verse 13 to 16. It says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Do not slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You did not know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And I'm also going to read 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. So that is why we are holy, as God is holy, and that is why we can be holy, as God is holy. So we should be living holy and godly lives. And we do this as we look forward to the return of Jesus. 2 Peter 3, 11-12 says, Since everything around us is going to be destroyed, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. In other words, none of these things are going to last. All the worries of this life, all the things that tempt us, the things we enjoy, the things that we put above God, none of them are going to last. 
they will all disappear. So going back, those two parts of holiness, purity and separation. God has set us apart. That's the first part of how we can be holy. God sets us apart. He has saved us according to his plan. He sets us apart through Jesus. And he enables us to be obedient in purity through the Holy Spirit. Remember, we cannot truly be holy as God is holy, but we are still called to be holy. So think of our call to holiness this way. And I'm going to thank uh, Ben Foreman at Sherwood Christian Church for this. Um, he did this sermon series uh, about a full year behind us. And I am stealing his illustration because it's just perfect. Uh, some 239,000 miles in space lies a big chunk of rock and minerals that we call the moon. Unlike the sun, the sun is a boiling mass of gases and fire. The moon is cold and dark. It's lifeless, but still on many nights we look up and we can see the moon reflecting light to us. We understand the light that comes from the moon is only a reflection. It comes from a far more powerful source, which is the sun. So the moon does provide a light to the earth, but it is not the source of light. It does not illuminate anywhere close to the capacity of the sun. That is a picture of how we, as God's people, should be reflecting the nature, character, and holiness of God to the world. It is an imperfect picture. It's a reflection. It's not our light. It's not our holiness. It is through God. We are like the moon, which has absorbed some of the original source of radiance, and then we shine it to the best of our ability because we are touched by God. So holiness flows through us, but it flows from him. In the Bible, you know, there's so many incredible examples of God's holiness that expanding out from the temple and purifying things that were unholy. So this is not a new concept of God using imperfect people and vessels to make other things holy. For example, Isaiah has a vision, I think chapter 6, where he enters the temple in an unholy and impure state. But then he's purified and made holy by a burning coal that touches his lips, which was a physical embodiment of God's holiness. Ezekiel also had a vision. I can't remember the chapter. I was going to write it down, and I didn't. Um, I think in the 20s. But in his vision, the holiness of God pours out from the temple like a river. And everything it touches is revitalized and purified. These examples of God's holiness, purifying impure things, all lead up to Jesus. God's holiness in human flesh. Jesus heals the sick, he raises the dead, and he casts out demons. All of these acts are examples of God's holiness purifying whatever it comes into contact with. So this is obviously another key difference between God's holiness and our holiness. Uh, going back to my toothbrush, if something impure touches the toothbrush I want to brush my teeth with, it's defiled. I'm not going to use it for my teeth anymore. It's dirty. It can no longer be used for that purpose for which it was set apart. That is what happened to us in the fall. So you remember the, the third week we had, the fall, when we chose sin, we defiled ourselves. 
and we could no longer serve our set-apart purpose. But God's holiness is different because what God touches, he redeems. God and his holiness touch what is impure and makes it holy. And so that is what Jesus has done to us. He has made us holy again. So through all these examples, we start to see this really powerful and compelling picture of the holiness of God. His holiness is a powerful force that must be treated with respect. But at the same time, God's holiness is a powerful gift that can heal a broken and impure world. And as followers of Jesus, a part of his holiness now resides in you and me as well, to be reflected out to the world. So for example, God is love. That is part of his nature. And it's who he is. When the Holy Spirit has entered your life, you should become more loving as well. Because we are reflecting the holiness, nature, and character of God. So what does this all mean? In asking that question we've asked most weeks, why should you care? Why should you care about any of this? Well, the New Testament explains it pretty well. Uh, first of all, let's look at Hebrews 10, verse 10. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. This is important to understand, and it really is this simple. The connection between God and our lives, what makes us holy, is Jesus. He is the one who sets us apart. When he touches our lives, we are forever changed, and we start to become more like Jesus. If you were watching The Chosen with us last year when we were watching season one, uh, there's a quote from season one by Mary Magdalene after she was set apart by Jesus. When she's trying to explain what happened to her, she says this, All I know is that I was one way, and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. That is the connection. It's Jesus. He's the one who touches our lives, who sets us apart, who redeems us to holiness. But beyond that, we are now called to separate ourselves from anything contrary to what God is in behavior. Paul explains this in Ephesians 4, verses 21 to 24. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. <coughs> he also taught this in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, where he says, Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work towards complete holiness, because we fear God. If you want to know what holiness is and what it looks like in the life of a person, look at the life of Jesus, because he exemplified holiness in everything that he did. So as we conclude this morning, know this. We cannot make ourselves holy. We cannot make ourselves holy. We are not made holy by the things we choose to do and not to do, we are made holy by Jesus. He is the one who has set us apart, and he is the one who redeems us. He has declared us holy. 
And so through the Holy Spirit, we are transformed and enabled to pursue a life of holiness, impurity, and obedience to Jesus. And so with that thought in your mind, turn your back on the mentality which is so prevalent today. The mindset that puts your own personal happiness above holiness, pleasure above responsibility, and having fun above what is good and right. If you do so, you will be pointing yourself in the right direction to pursuing holiness through the Holy Spirit. And it is my prayer that we will all pursue holiness together. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that this week's teaching was a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you live in the New Glasgow area, we would love for you to come and join us for our Sunday gathering. For information on service times, location, and more, check out our website at ngcc.ca. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and have a great week.